everybody, welcome back. My name is Moore. And I'm Ross. And this is what used to be the 52 Podcast. It is now market today. And at some point I'm going to stop saying that, but I, I, you know, I don't know when it's like, it's, you know, enough time has gone by for us to like put it to rest. So I don't know, maybe Ross can help me on, on that next time, you know we do a podcast it'll let me know not to do this but anyway you know for, you know what maybe we maybe we retired it after this episode we've had a good amount of episodes one, yeah 95 this is 95 we can official send off go. to the 52 official send off thank you 52 for everything you've done for me and for you and with that being said thank you guys for joining us yet again this week on market today uh what we do here every single week is we read a book usually business, psychology, finance-oriented. And we talk about what our keynotes were. In addition to that, we love to talk about the markets because we're in and out of them all day. Uh, more in, less out, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, so we're going to be talking about some market stuff today. Uh, but actually, not really. Uh, today, Ross tells me that, actually tomorrow, more correctly, excuse me, California goes back to some sort of normal. That's that's interesting. Tell us more, Ross. Yeah, so Tuesday, June 15th is, I've been joking, it's the, you know, the day that we've decided that COVID is no more. Essentially, in California at least, and we're speaking on that just because this affects us the most with where we're located. It might be different depending on where you are throughout the country. Um, but pretty much we're going back to almost no masks. California is going to be going back to 100% reopen. So this is for all businesses. This is restaurants. This is bars. Really anything. They have full ability to go back to 100%. For for people in LA, I can say that you know where you do still have to wear a mask is going to be on places like public transit. Um, if you're in any like indoors at schools between like K through 12. Healthcare facilities and long-term care facilities, state and local correctional facilities, homeless shelters, and emergency shelters. So certain places you're still going to be needing to wear a mask. At other places, um, it's interesting because you will not be required to actually prove that you're vaccinated. So essentially, this is kind of an honor system, which Moore and I have talked about. Um, kind of interesting. They do say that there will be required, you know, vaccination uh, a vaccine verification, I guess, for events with more than 5,000 people. So I'm assuming you're going to see stuff like this at, like, larger concerts, um, sporting events, things like that are probably going to have um, these kind of systems in place. But I think the more important part is going to be just talking about what the economy looks like as things reopen. You know, we talked a lot in the last few months about, you know, inflation and hyperinflation, and this is really going to be seen when we go back to you know 100 when we're really starting to see people go out starting to spend their money they're buying options they're being you know active in their community that's where you're actually going to see hyperinflation kind of take hold a little bit more and then also with that you're going to be having i don't know the exact date but i know that the um what is it the eviction like moratorium is going to be up soon and i know that right now we're in kind of a crazy housing bubble where there's not enough supply and demand is just off the charts people are selling houses for way above asking there's you know multiple multiple offers per home and you're even seeing a lot of larger companies actually buying in and kind of fighting with you know i would say the retail 
you know, buyer, the regular home buyer for some of these properties. So what do you think more? What do you think of when you think about going back to 100% capacity? And does this have any effect on your strategy? Maybe at looking at companies, it could be travel, it could be tech um, or, or anything. What, what comes to your mind first? Well, first of all, HIPAA is not going to really comply with this whole vaccine identification thing. But we'll see how that plays out. It'll be very interesting. I don't think they're going to be rolling out too many of uh, of these systems that are going to be organizing people by by vaccine. At least I hope not. It's not particularly American. So, with that being said, I think you're very right in the fact that we're going to see some serious, serious repercussions from this whole thing in the ways of inflation, in the ways of just our everyday life becoming much, much more expensive. Um, because we took on a whole lot of inflation. I mean, just for anyone to, to, to understand what we mean by this, um, during this entire mess that we had in the U.S., there was a lot of money that went to go relief, uh, relief people that didn't have money for one reason or another. And we have consistently overextended ourselves for years, and this is only going to set us back further because it was sped up significantly because we just needed, you know, there was a lot of people losing their jobs, there was a lot of people needing support, there was, it, it, it was nuts, to say the least. So we're going to experience a significant shift in what it looks like to do normal things in real life. Buy food, parking, uh, rent, uh, gas, you name it, it's all going to be hiked up. So that's going to take a massive effect. Now, honestly, for those of, for those that are investors and those that have been around the block and continue to hold on to things, that is going to do good things for people's accounts, right? At the end of the day, the nice thing about the, you know, how, how much, how, it's, it's kind of a weird backwards philosophy, I guess, but as the value becomes less, less, um, what, how, how should, how should we put this Ross? This is so interesting because obviously the value of stocks are, are going to become marginally more, uh, more marginally larger. Like the prices of stocks are going to go up. The, 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 um, the, the valuation of companies are going to go up and that just has to do with the fact that there's more money out in the market. Um, things are more expensive, so they're going to have to start spending and making more money to continue to be businesses. And a lot of businesses are going to go out of business. So it's going to be really interesting to see who stays in and who stays out, in my personal opinion. Um, you know, Because I think that, that there's going to be really a separation of companies that are truly profitable and companies that have just been getting by for the last 10 years and have been relying on a bear, uh, on a bear market or on, on a bull market. And... Uh, and we'll see what's going to really happen. You know, we'll see what's really going to have value. Yeah, I totally agree. For me, the one thing that I'm kind of curious to watch is, you know, when you were talking about, you know, different stocks and how they're going to go up, I'm curious to see, you know, what happens with the stay-at-home stocks in particular. Like what happens to, you know, stocks that went up like a Peloton or something where these at-home fitness programs were making a lot of money. And then on the flip side, you know, what happens to some of these travel companies or even gyms that were really struggling 
during the pandemic. You know, like so the one thing with COVID is some companies did really good and some companies did terrible. Really just depends on where you are. Now, the question for me really isn't like, will they go back, let's say to 50-50 as far as like both of them are, are kind of at the same level as far as their ability to continue growing and their potential. But I'm kind of curious to see if we stay in a more virtual setting, like will stocks, you know, like Peloton or other at-home workouts, you know, will they continue even though they're going to drop a little bit because the world is changing a little bit? Has this given them momentum that, you know, is going to be unstoppable at a certain point? You know, are more people now more comfortable with the idea of working out at home and then also as well companies with their employees working from home? You know, when we have the option you know, as a, an employer to have our employees either come in or not, you know, there's going to be a case study that will be written of two companies that are very identical. One decided to do work from home employees probably for the next, let's say from now to the end of the year. And one that decided to do, you know, have everyone come back to the office. So I'm very curious to see how the companies actually break down, you know, did the stay at home company actually still perform better than the company that had people in the actual building, you know, what were the pros? What were the cons? And that way we can kind of compare it side by side at the same time versus, you know, comparing just COVID stats versus pre-COVID stats. So I don't know, a few things like that of, of taking more of these virtual first approaches. I want to see how many companies continue to stay in that mindset, because if you really do embrace virtual first and you're not having employees come in, I mean, that changes the whole dynamic of the country as far as, you know, where people are living. You no longer have to live in San Francisco to work for a Silicon Valley company. You know, you could go get a beautiful house up in the, you know, middle of uh, Minnesota or Montana and work completely remote, probably pay a quarter of the price for the home and it's going to be absolutely gorgeous um, just because you're able to buy in a place that maybe fits your personal style or your budget without having to spend it all on rent or, or real estate. So will we see people continuing to exit these big states like California or LA when it comes to cities and San Francisco? Or will we see everything kind of almost reset back to where we were before? So for me, that's kind of where I have my eye. And then that, like I said, in turn helps me kind of decide where I want to put my money, whether it be stocks or crypto or things like that. Just trying to get an idea of what I think the future is going to look like. And that's where I invest my money. Yeah, I think that's all really valid. Uh, I think you have asked a lot of good questions there, and I think uh, remote first is going to be a huge win for business in general, just from the perspective of overhead. I mean, just the cost of having an office in general is so expensive, and if you can have the ability to completely offset that and replace it with ch cheap digital uh, products that you can use to connect you all over the world, you know, what do you need an office for? So I think it's all going to be really good. Um, so with that being said, I kind of want to move into the book for the week. Uh, we talked about virtual selling this week in a book called Virtual Selling. Um, and off the top of my head, I mean literally 10,000 foot view, this was the guide to be a virtual seller, to be able to, to be effective at connecting with people through video or through any digital method. Uh, and I thought it was really valuable. What did you think overall, uh, Russ? You know, I would say the same thing. The first, and more and I, like I said, we don't discuss the books during the week, but we talked briefly uh, close to about Wednesday about, you know, did you start the book, this and that. 
And I told him, honestly, in the beginning, it didn't really feel like anything special. It was, you know, kind of very, I would say, of course, like, yes, that's obvious kind of thing. But I would say after finishing the book, this was one of the best books we've read in a in a while, to be honest. Like, I would adamantly recommend would this to, to, my, to my coworkers, to my managers. Like, this is a book that I would feel very com- – because, like I said, I work from home. I've worked from home for the last year or so, and a lot of it started off very similar – which is, you know, XYZ. I'll give you an example more. So I actually bought a, like, webcam holder with, like, it's got, like, a ring light attached as well um, because of this book. I bought it on Amazon. Of course, it showed up in a day um, because I wanted to try to get the camera more in the middle of the screen. I wanted to have some better lighting. A lot of the things that they talked about in the book because right now my camera is a little bit to the left and when I'm on calls if I'm looking at my screen or even looking at them talk I'm looking away from the camera so I wanted to try this kind of game plan to see you know would it work this particular setup didn't work the best because I can't get the camera in the exact same spot because I have to move this arm a little bit but yeah I mean just talking about you know how you need to be prepared understanding the value of you know good lighting good audio good you know good camera quality um i thought was really good i thought this was a really really good book i completely i couldn't agree more i thought it was really valuable i think that he really hit it on the nail when it came to everything that the majority of people that are on video calls all day see um you know it's so interesting how he was able to pinpoint all of those different things and how well, he was able to, to just break it down into simple solutions, right? Simple lighting tricks that you can have, simple um, placement of your camera to, to give you a better angle and make you feel like you're in the room, like you're more trustworthy, like you're eye to eye. Uh, eye contact, smiling, right? Like we don't think about our, our uh, resting bitch face, but we, we have it. And when you're on camera and all you see is your face, that makes a difference. Um, I also really loved his video messaging. I, I thought that that was really clever. That was my number one takeaway out of the book was his his creative use of video messaging and how he uses it throughout his sales process. Um, I loved that a lot. I thought it was a really valuable tip and definitely a tip that I'm going to use. Uh, even even I would even consider opening a cold call with a video message. I would even consider that because of the amount of, of trust that it builds. Um, so I might even play around with my cadences and, and potentially throw some sort of video in there that has a personalized touch with like, you know, the little whiteboard when you write the name on the whiteboard and, and the person feels like, oh my God, this person actually cares. Um, and it's not just a tactic. It's like, you know, you care, right? Like salespeople care, but it's really hard to get that across in a, in a cold phone call or something like that. But you can do that in a video so well through the use of multiple mediums, right? Like, because you have the ability to to share voice and to share uh, a written word and to be able to show movements with your body, you, know, you can get so much more across than just a simple piece of text in an email or, or even a voicemail. Uh, so I thought that was really valuable. Were there any other keynotes that you really thought were valuable from the book that I missed? You know, I would say the same thing. I definitely have a thought of trying that kind of cold... Uh, you know, that outreach video message. So if you do that, let me know. Um, the other thing was I made sure I was actually in this process of, you know, we're getting ready um, for Q3. I'm getting new contacts, you know, new 
um, companies that I'm going to be targeting. So kind of starting to build out new email templates, new cadences, things like that. And I actually waited until I got to his section on kind of email when it came to, you know, the different strategies and things like that. And honestly, he had he had great things, you know, understanding that when you're talking to these people, you know, try to make it sound like you, you really care about where they're coming from. You know, understanding that they are also responding to your emails selfishly also. You know, they are trying to make themselves some money also. So there were things that talked about having good subject lines, you know, making sure it was very, you know, easy to read. It was very clear and, and brief. Having a very um, professional email signature with like your LinkedIn and things like that, which I already have. Um, but he had a lot of good, you know, different strategies. So I think that if you're an email person like me for my job, you'll get a lot of great value. Even if you're someone who cold calls, you know, on the phone, there were a lot of great cold calling tips. So I think this is the book that can really help anybody because what he's really trying to pitch is this kind of omni-channel way of prospecting where you're, you're emailing, you're calling, you're messaging them on LinkedIn. You know, you're really trying to get them in a lot of different ways. And I think it's a very important thing. You know, once you send them an email, add them on LinkedIn so it's they can see the uh, an extra recognition of this name, see it in more places. So I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in this that I really am excited to take forward with me and the, to finish out this quarter and get ready for Q3. But yeah, honestly, phenomenal book. Where did where did you find this book? I know we were looking for one more given, that was a was recommendation. Given to me from work. It was given to me from work. One there of the guys go. at work were uh, recommended it. And, um, for those of you guys that don't know yet, I just recently joined a team over at Insperity. They're a big public company uh, based out of Houston. And yeah, we got some great managers that uh, know how much I like to read, and they recommended the book. And you know, it's funny, actually, this week we were a little hesitant to jump into a 10-hour book, but uh, we were like, you know what, we need to get a really good book under our belt this week, and, you know, these guys have been recommending this one up and down, so I said, you know what, we got to do it, whatever. Even if we got to take a little bit more time during the week, then we, we just got to make it happen. Um, and we did, and I'm really happy that we did, because it really was a phenomenal book and totally would recommend it. Um, even potentially, like, top top 10. Like, really, really valuable. Like, eh, the, more than just me uh, me enjoying listening to the book, I took away a lot of things and solidified a lot of ideas about prospecting and about creating a, a relationship digitally that I don't think I would have particularly thought of um, by just pondering on my own. So I thought it was really valuable. Yeah, I thought there was a, a good mix of what I would deem common sense or people who've been working from home for a long time. Like We've kind of figured out a lot of these ways to be more efficient and kind of improve upon, you know, what we were doing when we first started. But he also breaks it down to a lot of different ways, a lot of things that can really help improve your setup. I think a lot of it we was talking about really comes down to, you know, being prepared. So like for me, I told you, I got this, it's got a ring light and it's got an extra arm, which I wanted to put under the screen to kind of end up in the middle. So I'm probably still going to tweak with this to get it where you know, it can be at its maximum because I really do understand, you know, we, we always work to look professional, you know, wear a colored shirt, even if it's just a polo. But if you can really have, you know, a lot of everything, even having good internet, you know, if you're making $60,000 working from home, you should have good internet. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, honestly, yeah, 
I, I would I was almost hesitant when you said top ten, but when you really think about it and break it down, it was not an advanced book. But yeah, it had a lot of value. This, if you work from home, this book will make you money in some way. Even if you take one small thing, um, it can it can have an impact on the bottom line. So highly recommend it. I think I'm gonna put this in our probably our group Slack channel or message my manager who gave us a book when we first started. And, and I think this is a book that um, we should recommend out because I think this can help entire companies. You know, not just individuals. There's a Absolutely. lot of value in this. I completely agree. I think it's I think it's such a huge book, uh, and I agree with you from the pr- perspective that it's not like anything particularly outstandingly high level, but it's really really usable and for that reason alone it should go in the top 10 just because of the fact that you can actually execute this on a day-to-day basis in just about anything that you do i mean i I don't know one one job description where you don't have to communicate between people for something and if you can communicate at a higher level digitally or if you can get on a zoom call and create a better relationship with a vendor or with a customer or with, you know, whatever, whoever it is that you happen to be in front of, uh, a superior, an executive, you know, it's a win. So I agree with you. I think it's a book that of all the books that we've read, this is probably one of the books that I could say guaranteed if you read this book, you will make money from one or two of the tips, period. Uh and if you don't make money, then you'll make a relationship that will create a better life for you in one way or another. For sure. Guaranteed. Yeah, I agree. So we'll take it into final thoughts because we were pretty close to final thoughts right there. But my final thought, super well written. Um, it was a nine hour book, almost 10 hour book. Um, goes by incredibly quick. There is You can even skip chapters if you don't want to read the cold calling email and things like uh, the cold calling um, chapters, things like that. If you just do email or vice versa, you can really kind of flip. Um, He talks a lot in the beginning about, you know, kind of emotional intelligence, good eye contact and trying to replicate what we do in person that really makes us trust somebody. After I listen to the book, I will always have my camera on to start a meeting. I normally went with that rule of I'm going to have my camera on. And then if they don't, then I would mimic and normally go camera off. Uh, but I think I'm just going to keep camera on by default forever now at this point because um, there's there's no way that it doesn't help build you trust in some way. So highly recommend it to you, your friends, your family, your company. If you're a new company or like Snapchat, we've been around for 10 years. There are so many people in my company that would, you know, love something like this. So I think it really is a testament to it just how wide of a range this will work because like, like we said, if you read this book, you will find something and it will make you money in some form it just depends on how much you want to take but 10 out of 10 highly recommend um great great choice i would completely agree final thoughts for me badass book two thumbs up and with that being said guys thank you so much for joining us on episode 95 my name is Moore. i'm ross and this is market today have an awesome week and we'll see you next monday take care